everyone and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name's Amelia and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Anime Feminist, joined today by Peter Phobian and Cara Dennison. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. I'm Peter Phobian, I'm an Associates Features Editor at Crunchyroll and a Contributor and Editor at Anime Feminist. And I'm Cara Dennison, Contributor for Crunchyroll and Viewster. Okay, we're doing our third episode in our watch-along of New Berserk today, which is episodes 13 to 18. We have previously watched six episodes at a time as part of our watch-along format. Watch six episodes, get the three of us behind microphones and talk about it from a feminist perspective. So that's <laughs> that's been an interesting journey so far. <laughs> um, I'm really pleased that we seem to have turned a corner with these six episodes. I think the last six would have stopped me from continuing to watch, in all honesty. It was a bit much for me. But these six, I really got back into it, I think. I'm looking forward to watching episode 19 whereas if you'd asked me around episode 12 if I wanted to watch any more I'm not so sure I would have said yes what was it like for you these six Kara? um no I definitely felt it it's like as soon as episode 13 started I remember Peter was saying I can't wait for you guys to watch episode 13 uh yes. and I turned it on like oh my god berserk was was my first feeling was yes I felt like I was watching what I came for, you know, it was, it yeah. was, I mean, th- it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, it? there were, there were moments, you know, there were moments in the first yeah. core where I'm like, yeah, no, but when, when this kicked off, everything felt familiar. And I mean, and I don't just mean like the story and the way characters were treated. I mean, even the pacing, even the look of it. I mean, yeah, it's still yeah. weird animation, but I just, I felt a lot more at home. Yeah, absolutely. So for context, Kara and I have seen the 1997 series. Uh, you've not seen any of the films, have you, Kara? I have not yet. Once we're done here, I may go back and watch it. I was thinking that. It's given me a bit of a taste for it now. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen the films either, whereas Peter is kind of our in-house expert. <laughs> yeah. I encourage you to so- watch the films, yes. Okay, good. Um, so you've seen the films, you've seen the 97 series, right? You've seen all of currently airing Berserk and you've read the manga, is that right? Uh, yep. And you were looking forward to getting us to these six episodes, I think you said. Uh, yeah, personally, when I was reading the manga, uh, which uh, was before the, the original 2016 series came out, I uh, felt like that this was the point in the story where I got really um, engaged in the post-Golden Era uh, part of the story. After after that, there's a lot of guts wandering, and I f- it felt kind of directionless. But this is where like the story comes back into focus again for me. What do you mean by golden era? Uh, the gold or golden golden era, golden age. I guess it's technically golden age. That's the period, the backstory with Griffith's band of the hawk, which ends oh, with okay. the eclipse, and then yeah. uh, you actually have uh, this, and I think uh, one or two other story arcs uh, where it's mostly guts wandering on his own before the, like the party forms up again during these episodes. Or chapters right. in the manga. Okay, I think I'd agree with that. This is the first time that I've really felt quite engaged in the story. The first 12 episodes were a bit of a slog. Um, so grateful Nina's not here anymore. <laughs> I think that instantly <laughs> has helped for me. And the new the new characters that we've got are actually quite interesting. So we had um, Shirka. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Shirk, yes. Shirk. Shirk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she... 
I, I, I quite like her character. So she's what a witch's apprentice turning into a fully fledged witch, and she seems to know her stuff, but be quite unwilling to use it in the real world. Um, which I, I just thought it was quite a nice little character beat. She's not uh, super capable. She's not incompetent. She's kind of at a stage of her training where she's she technically able to do more than it seems she feels comfortable doing. I uh, I always felt like she's kind of um, the maybe the opposite of Farnese because she's um, less certain of herself but hyper competent, or at least yes. I guess when you first meet Farnese and uh, very. Um, Whenever she like ends up deciding to do something, she very quickly comes up with a strategy and kind of executes on it. So I guess hyper-confident is the best word, yeah. yeah. What did you think of Akara? She's my beautiful new daughter. I love her. I mean... <laughs> you like the, the minute I saw her in the opening, like I saw this character sort of drifting around the back, and I think, I think we saw her briefly beforehand just as a sort of a background thing. I went, I don't know who she is, I don't know what her deal is, but just her character design tells me I'm probably going to love her. Uh, and then when she yeah. when she shows up, it's like, yep, I love her. Um, she's she's entertaining. I love how she deals with this strange group of people with their with their own set of dramas, and she just sort of wades into it and keeps her head all through this. Uh, and I, I almost feel like she's from a completely different show. Does that make sense? I feel like she wandered into Berserk uh, from, like, from like a magical girl show, and yeah. which is not an insult, but I feel like she wandered in from a completely different show and is somehow managing to just sort of keep her wits about her better than any of the others do in the midst of all this insanity. So, yeah, what Peter said. And her ability to... Her, her ability to put up with stuff... Um, I like also, and I don't know if this is going to make any sense, I like that her attitude and her personality seems to have created a shield around her where I am, mm. I'm, I'm going to regret this, but I get the feeling that I'm not going to have to worry about how she ends up as much as oh, I, I know, <laughs> I know I've cursed it. I know <laughs> I've cursed it, but oh. I know I've cursed it because... Everything bad happens to women in this show, but it's like, yes. you know, I'm, I'm sticking my neck out. But it's like she just, she seems to be in this nice bubble of competence, and I'm, competence, and I'm praying it stays that way. I'm not going to challenge you too hard on that, because what was really striking for me is that with this development, we've actually had witches introduced into this world of demons, and we've finally got some kind of magical force for good. Yes! It has been so negative. Yes! The entire time it has been destructive it has been gory it has been gruesome we finally have somebody who says well i can protect you with charms i can protect you with spells it seems like magic has finally balanced out or the way that magic exists within the berserk universe has been balanced out and it's been balanced out with this very feminine power and i'm not sure yet if they're going to do anything with that idea um because we've seen what two witches mm -hmm. And one of them is this this older woman who doesn't seem to age very quickly, um, nearing the end of her life. And she's got this apprentice, Shik, who is currently very, well, she's very young looking, as we know, because part of her character introduction was being uh, groped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And then and then she turned and then uh, she turned him into a monkey for half a day. So, I mean, you know. She did turn him into a monkey for half a day. But I just wish that yeah. we didn't have to do this every time. Like, it was such a slapstick moment that's utterly not in keeping with 
what I think Berserk's primary tone is. And I know we've got, we occasionally drop into the, the silly faces with, with Puck and with Isidro, but it was just not a good beat for Berserk of all things. When it, when it sexualizes Casca so often, when it sexualizes Farnes so often, and then to have amongst those quite serious assault moments, to have this, you know, casual, accidental grope that then turns really purposeful. It was, it was just, it just felt like a really cheap way to introduce what I think, as you say, is going to be a really satisfying character. It felt like something out of like so. a high school comedy. It's all, it's it all, did. It's, it's almost it like, did. we gotta have stuff like this in here so people will watch. I don't know, but... Yeah, I, you really don't. I do, though. Uh, I also, you were mentioning the force for good. I love seeing benevolent witches. I just, I'm, I'm yes. one of my other big areas of fandom and study is Arthurian legends. And it um. was, it was very sad to sort of follow the trail of Arthurian legends from, oh, Morgan Le Fay is one of nine totally nice ladies uh, who doesn't do anything, or one of a group of totally nice ladies who doesn't really do anything bad, to, oh my god, she's incestuous and evil, and it's like, what? <laughs> so whenever they have been, whenever a work in general has benevolent witches, I am so happy. Because it's just, it's nice. Yep. Yeah, it is. It is just, it was something quite nice in the midst of Berserk, <laughs> which I wasn't really expecting. <laughs> And I'm really pleased that she's part of the team. It has felt a bit unbalanced with quite a lot of grief, quite a lot of sexual assault, um, and just quite a lot of darkness. And to have someone who is, you know, she's not like all sunbeams and cheerfulness, but she is a positive force for good. And having just someone like that in the party to balance out Guts, who is probably the most powerful yeah. of the others, and he's he's quite a dark force for not even good, really. He's fairly... It's, there's the D&D &D grid, isn't there, that I, I'm not too familiar with. But he's fairly neutral. He's fairly uh, driven by his own personal motivations. He only actually agrees to help the villagers once he's kind of established that he's going to get something out of it. Um, and it's not going to derail him for nothing. Whereas you've got Shirk, who's been kind of... I mean, she's been told to do this. She doesn't particularly want to. But you get the feeling that once she's caught up in it, she probably will do the right thing whereas guts i'm not so sure he's pretty focused now they do have that conversation on the bridge in regards to her willingness to to be helping those people right ah uh, yeah can you recap that um she basically uh after well i guess the 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 priest of the town uh is not very happy with shirk showing up because she's obviously a witch uh yeah. she wears the uniform uh and she sort of catches a lot of hate and then she's talking to guts and uh says like i don't really feel like these people deserve help they are they believe in this church which is basically just built a religious monument over what used to be a strong yes. area for spiritual energy and they're they like get something out of that because of the packs that were made with the spirits a long time ago but they don't actually respect the spirits in any way so to her it's kind of like sacrilege uh, based on her own like well i don't want to call it belief understanding of like metaphysics um and Guts says, well, if you don't want to, you don't need to. Nothing's making you do that. Yeah, and she basically still feels like she's obligated to, right? Yeah, she didn't really like that answer. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it comes back to Guts' kind of like, uh, you can only make the decisions you think you can live with, and you shouldn't be a slave to the choices of others kind of ideal. 
and uh, but where she feels a strong sense of obligation to her teacher. So, yeah, absolutely. I've, I'd forgotten about that. So thank you for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. Um, Isidro in this, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about him as a character. He's I, I liked him a lot more before he ended up groping Shik. I think that's put me off him a little bit. Um, I thought they did quite a good job of balancing his more slapsticky humour this time. There was one moment when they're actually fending off the trolls in the village where he was like running into the fray and then a bunch of trolls compiling at him and he just runs straight back. <laughs> and it did actually make me laugh. Mm. And I was really amused by his responses to things. But it's just, I don't know, it reminded me, you know, Peter, when we were going through the Shirobako podcast and like Taro every week, Taro. And like this, I feel like Isidro is maybe turning into a bit of a Taro for me, where every week he's getting a little bit more, like I understand him a bit better, but he's not getting any better <laughs> as a person. I'm not enjoying yeah. him. Actually, rewatching this, I was wondering when the comparison would be made. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's just, yeah. Like I said, right up until the point where he groped Shik, I had a lot more time for him because until then, he, he'd kind of kept his distance a little bit. You could kind of see the moments where he'd get comedy boners at Naked Ladies, but it, they didn't do anything with that. Like, he didn't act on that in a, in a kind of creepy way until these episodes. Mm. So. Thanks for adding that character beat in Berserk. Much appreciated. I think he uh, he gets better at least. I mean, the whole the, his his whole story arc is kind of him like growing up a lot, learning yeah. to respect. Uh, actually, uh, him and Shirk have kind of an interesting relationship. I thought um, they might because she's so much more useful than he is, and he wants to be useful. <laughs> yeah, there was that beautiful moment where he sees her magic once she's she's done her her chanting and she's cast the spell and he sees her magic and he's clearly just stunned like wait this is from she's capable of this yep. and he'd been making fun of her and belittling her so much up until that point and I hope now he learns a little bit of respect so I guess we'll find out next episode let's move on to Farnes who I'm really excited to talk about because we got some actual character development for her and this we time. got a lot of yeah. background too we got a lot of background and we got a, quite a lot of about faces from her as she's facing up to some pretty hard truths about herself, which I thought was fascinating. But I'm not sure, I'm not sure how I feel about it because when last episode we talked about the fact that she has a lot of development from here and we talked about the potential of her growing into the leadership role that she previously held but hadn't really earned and wasn't really very good at. We talked about her growing potentially in that direction. And actually, she's gone down a more maternal yeah. path. So she's now kind of Cusker's caretaker. And it's really nice to see her building empathy, which she has now extended to people like Serpico. She can say, I actually treated you really badly. I'm sorry. I love that scene because he just drops the thing he's holding. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea how to react. He's never experienced this before. And it was nice as well. He's, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased to see this and I'm sorry that I couldn't be the one to make it happen, yeah. basically. So she's getting something out of that relationship and that's good. I don't want her character arc to end there, I yeah. think. I mean, I, I, I sort of see the same thing. I saw that she was willing to change and then we have that sort of quote-unquote, you know, is it comedy or is it just uncomfortable uh, Mont sort mm-hmm. of almost reverse training montage where she just realizes how bad she is at stuff as opposed to, you know, and I'm like, I get this. I get this. She is in a situation now where, you know, everything's different and to the point where they finally go just, okay, guys, she she can babysit the, the 
the, the vegetable. And it's just like, ugh. I, I get yeah. it. And one thing I will say for that, though, is it's nice to see someone actually spending some dang time with Casca. Because yes. I... Yeah. Every, everything has been about her, like, you know, don't touch that, don't eat that, don't wander off, and now you see you see her sort of, you know, unable to look after herself, and you see Farnes just go up and, oh, is this what you're doing? We'll both do it. And it's like, I... Yes. Just kind of playing yes. with her. Like, there's that moment where she's playing with the leaves, and Farnes just stops, like, gathering firewood or whatever she's doing. She goes over and she plays with them with her, and it was just such That's a sweet little moment. That's the exact moment I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. It was just a lovely, lovely development from Farnes, but also, yeah, as you say, giving Casca some time, making her more than just a, a burden. Yeah. It's, it's, pretty it's, important. it's nice to see someone treating her as a person rather than a prop. And... Yeah. And when she protected yes. her. And Serpico makes this big deal about I've never seen her protect anyone with her life before. Like, it almost doesn't matter. She could have a track record of doing that. But the fact that she did it for Casca, when actually, you know, Casca is somebody that she hasn't known for yeah, very seriously. long. And she doesn't... Yeah, and she's got no way to kind of connect with her as a friend, really. She's she's very definitely caring for her. And that that has kind of inspired her to this point, I think, is... Really I, I am happy to see a little more humanization of Casca. Not only that, but the very small thing with Shirk, with uh, the using the hair for telepathy. That yeah. very small thing of yeah. why are we putting it on her? She can't speak. Well, Shirk has said so. So yeah. speaking isn't the only way to communicate with people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's also there's a bit of a redemptive element too I think because uh, she was previously basically going to burn Casca at the stake uh-huh. just assuming she was a witch or something like that yeah. so uh, she's sort of uh, this is another way she's confronted with where her faith and belief in the church have really failed her and that was another great moment for the from the witch side of things actually where the, the older witch I can't remember her name she says to Ka- uh, not to Casca to Farnes you have not burned a single one yeah. of of my family, but if you had, the blame would not sit with you alone. Yeah. And that was really, I think, validating for Farnes to like take some of that off her shoulders. I mean, she's cut her hair, which <laughs> that moment was. <laughs> Anyone else just watch that and be like, that is not the way that that haircut would I, fall. I just, I just, <laughs> I just love Guts's reaction. Like, God, she's so dramatic. What? <laughs> And then Puck's like, you can't say anything more now. (laughs) You would be totally the villain in this scenario after that. But yeah, I think there was a missing in-between frame where Serpico just runs up and like slices her hair off evenly so that she's not embarrassed. Because of course he knows how to do that. (laughs) Yeah, of course he does. Just swipe the sword. Yeah. Kara, what did you think of her backstory? Of Farnessus? It's, um... Mm. It... It explained a lot. Um... That's that's yeah. the main thing. It's like when you come into a character like this, it's like, well, can't really judge this morally. You you get to a point where it's like, you know, she is what she is now, and I'm looking at it and I'm going, this explains absolutely everything, on so mm-hmm. many levels, especially Serpico, because that had been the main thing I was, that had been the main thing I was wondering. Curious, about. and it's like, oh, yeah. oh, okay, I gotcha, but, um. Yeah. I thought it it was a very interesting place to place the backstory because 
the second core, we're talking about her becoming a better person, and we, at the time that we are encouraged to embrace her, we are then shown all the weird stuff. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, please like this person. By the way, here's the crazy stuff she did. <laughs> and but I guess that gives you your context for how far she's uh-huh, come, which yeah. is something we really need to bear in yeah, mind. Yeah, and also her family. Uh, a lot mm. of a lot of the family uh, issues and a lot of what was going on there. It's like, yeah, this no, this explains a lot, and this explains why she would become this sort of person, and why not only why she become that person, but why she would still feel conflicted as that person. If that makes sense, because you could see these moments where she wasn't quite sure, and yeah. I, you know, I can see now. It's like, yeah, there's a reason she wasn't a hundred and ten percent staunchly puritan about everything that and also the the little firebug aspect of her i had always wondered about so you know yeah <laughs> a little more that was that was hard to see serpico kind of confronted with yeah, his mother that was that was really hard yeah that was talk talk about going through a and lot the, yeah. <laughs> yeah and the way fun is wasn't like this was this was kind of difficult i kind of wanted her to be like I know this was probably true, but we need to save you now. We need to focus on protecting you now. And to do that, you have to light this flame. Yeah. Rather than prove to them that it's not true and that you wouldn't betray me like that. Yeah, and it's like... That was not a good funnest no. moment. But I guess it was because it does show us how far she's moved on. Within that episode or an episode around it is where she says, I've, I've realised now how badly I treated yeah, you. so... It, it really it really does give, like you said, a whole lot of context. And it also mm-hmm. shows why now she would be just as down on herself as she is. Because yeah. she is super way low down on herself. She's gone from being in charge to having enough self-awareness to look back at herself. That's the hard part. Is yeah. there's, there's a difference between going these things happened and then there's the self-awareness to go I did these things and they were bad and I can't justify them you know even if I can say why I did them at the time I can't justify them in any way so the fact that she's and she's gone completely the opposite way in terms of like how useful she thinks she is as well where she just sits there and says I'm I'm useless yeah and it's I'm worse than useless I (laughs) I let Casca run away like the fact that she was found again doesn't really mitigate that yeah and now you know now my question is it's like looking after Casca connecting with her seems to have helped her some but yeah where is you know you don't have a character be that high up and fall that far down without at least in most stories bringing them back up again in a better way you know the rebirth sort of this is the hope right this is yeah, the hope the, but, because if she does oh, it would be amazing yeah arc. but there's you know there's that sort of you know rebirth element that i hope they really do bring in the question now being where is that going to come from is it going to come from guts passively you know because he's like i don't care what you do i guess you could follow me or, you know, is it going to come from him actively after a time? Is it going to come from within? Is it going to come from another character that we don't expect? Is it going to be there at all? I'm, yeah, I'm really interested to see where her character goes because at the moment she's not really training no. for anything. She's just kind of feeling bad. So she's, I mean, tra- yeah, she's feeling bad. I guess she's training in empathy <laughs> through her, her work with Casca. 
but where Isidro is actually, he is, you know, he's studying sword fighting, he is practicing, yeah. he's, you know, probably getting a bit better. Um, Farnes isn't really doing anything to work towards a different path. And I'm not entirely sure what she wants to get out of following Guts either. It just seems like she's had a feeling about him and wants to be part of that journey, which is interesting because that's obviously a kind of charisma we'd associate more with yeah. Griffith who very clearly inspires loyalty, yes. like instantly, just through pure charisma, which is not something Guts has. Oh boy, That's especially in these more recent <laughs> episodes where you're lo you're yes. looking at who follows him, you're going, what, this guy, this guy, this weird monster thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, let's talk about Griffith, because he's, he's back, he's properly back as a uh -huh. character. I really wasn't expecting that. I thought he'd be mostly gone, and he like touch him from time to time and then we kind of have a proper finale with him or something but he's really around yeah. he's started band of the hawk again he's got a whole new following picking up right where he left off yeah yeah absolutely and i was not expecting that at all and guts kind of talks about him as he was a human like when he when he came back he wasn't a demon anymore he was a human but at the same time he has these kind of otherworldly powers to show people their their newly dead loved ones like, I assume that came from him. But at the same time, we get inside we get inside his head for a minute, don't we? When he, he looks at Guts and he says, and he looked exactly like the moment when I first saw him. So he, he does seem to still have his, his human memories, his human perspective. So I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where he is, but I'm fascinated by him because that's just the way Griffith is. He is always fascinating. Yeah, well, he said he wanted to be free of Guts, but it turned out that wasn't the case. Uh, same, no. same with Casca when he protected her. Yes. Yeah. I was also, and I don't know where she's gonna go, if anywhere. That girl Sonia, the the yeah, the priestess, the the psychic, whatever. She see it right. She see think, her, yeah. yeah. She. I don't know if we're gonna see her anymore because she was like there and there and there and there and then boop, she's gone. And it's like, I don't know if she's gonna be a thing. I'm interested. I don't know if I'm interested because if she sticks around, she may become another Nina. So I'm worried about saying I'd like to see her <sighs> again. Um, but just her, the way she smiled, I think, just how, yeah. like, you know, enraptured she was, which I think might be a really, really appropriate adjective um, in a lot of ways with with yeah. with him and with the band of the hawk and with everything i mean there there is something up that's beyond i mean yeah Griff, griffith is hugely charismatic and if this had been any other character and this had happened i would have been like really but it's griffith so i can actually kind of believe people throwing themselves in front of him going yeah me 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 um but yeah i there is still definitely something above his usual leadership and charisma going on here. And the question is, is it good or is it going to turn? No, I'm, I agree with you. He's, he has something above and beyond the previous charisma. His previous level of charisma brought in people like Casca, right? Who was already, you know, she was already in her own night's pretty fierce warrior. Yeah. Or she was kind of learning to, to fight. She wanted to learn to fight, and she already had that kind of mentality. Whereas this Sonia is, is she's looking for something to follow. She says, "I've seen that this person is coming." Yeah. And she wanted to respond to that rather than than Casca's situation, which was she just wanted to become stronger. She wanted to to be with Griffith. 
and that has elevated like it seems like Griffith always has someone around him who's completely devoted to him there was Casca there was Charlotte there's now yeah. Sonia and every time it goes a kind of upper step in in what they give him what they can give him and what he wants to take from them uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure yet where she's gonna go but I'm pretty sure she's a fixture because she's in the opening credits oh I yeah think. you're right she is yeah, so I think she's going to be around. I think she's going to be doing things. I thought her. I thought it was really interesting when she's walking through the woods, and she's just completely unfazed by the idea that she could be killed. She's like, "No, no, no, I'm protected." Yeah, that one scene, that one yeah. scene where I was like, "Oh God, here we go again." And you know, they were doing. Yeah. The, the, stop having giant monsters lit girls, please. Just stop. Yeah. Stop. Enough. But but enough. it was such. It was such a counter to the first half of the series, where it yeah. was very, you know, terrifying, disempowering, disgusting. This time it starts to happen, and she's like, uh, no, Griffith will be mad. We've had this conversation. Yeah, You're going to be in trouble. Like, oh, God. Yeah, so on the one hand, it's like, God, I have to see this again. On the other, the way it's handled and what it results in was so mm -hmm. interesting. I think it's good that it's not just Sonya who is devoted to Griffith in this time. We see it in action with that guy Mule, Lord yeah. Mule. Terrible name. And he, just as soon as he meets Griffith, he's completely swallowed up. And he has no idea how or why, but that's it. He's devoted instantly. And yeah, that's a supernatural level of power. It's not charisma anymore. We're, we're into some kind of power from Yeah, and there's... there's his experience. there's you know, nobility, you know, there's people who walk mm -hmm. by, it's like, you? Really? This guy? Yeah. And then, you know, monsters, whatever that thing was with the mask or whatever, where it's like... Sissot? Yeah. Oh, uh, Rakasa or whatever. Rakasa, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That guy's like, I'm going to... What was it? I'm going to cut off your head and eat it. Um, and until that moment, nobody else can exactly. have you. Was that? Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. wild. That was an amazing moment. I loved that. It was so creepily done. And that's just, and to me, that sort of solidified this is the level of devotion that he inspires just by stumbling into his area of effect, which... Even Guts, right? We have that moment where Guts says, when I looked at him for a moment, I forgot my hatred yeah. of him. So. And I couldn't forgive myself for that. That's amazing. To make Guts forget this grudge uh -huh. that he's been carrying around with him this whole time. It's, it's yeah. It, their relationship has always been fascinating. It continues to be so. I'm really impressed at how they've not reduced it to just, I don't know, battling an old yeah, grudge. Yeah, there's, there's mm. so many levels to it and I'm enjoying it. And now it's gotten even weirder, so. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you, okay, just the last... Oh, sorry, go ahead. You get the feeling that all those people kind of uh, felt Griffith was around and had been headed toward him for a while, yeah. uh, headed yeah. into that scene. Like, they'd all been on, like, their own journeys headed toward that specific town where they felt like he was going to appear or something. So, like, there was this kind of element of, uh, like, karmic pull yeah. toward Griffith appearing there. Um, and also, uh, Rickert, I think, sort of had the same experience because he finds out the truth uh, after Griffith leaves and he's not sure what to do with that. Uh, because uh, I think the, what did Griffith say to him? I, I didn't betray my dream, nothing more, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and now Rickert kind of has to decide. And he says, if you want to come back to me after knowing what happened, then I have no reason to deny you. So yes. Rickert has to make that decision on his own. Mm -hmm. 
But that decision of Rickett is between Guts and Griffith. That's because he says, I want to come with you to Guts. But he also, when Griffith shows up, of course, he's instantly drawn into Griffith's magnetism. Mm -hmm. So again, we have these two in opposition and Rickett's kind of the neutral ground because he has had kind of no... uh, He's not had the same experience as the Guts had. He wasn't in the Eclipse, right? So he's just... He has his history with Griffith. He has his history with Guts. And he values both of them extremely highly. And even after finding out, as you say, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if that goes anywhere. I was absolutely expecting him to go with Griffith. So I'm impressed that they haven't done that yet. <laughs> All right, finally, I just want to look at Casca and Guts. This was really unpleasant. Casca's yeah. whole character, for me, has become completely unpleasant. Not quite unbearable, but I really... I, as soon as she's on screen, I'm just gritting my teeth because we have now seen her raped. We've seen attempted rape. We've seen a kind of metaphorical rape or like supernatural rape. We have seen other forms of sexual assault that aren't quite rape, but still really hard to watch. We keep seeing this in real time, in flashback, in demonscapes in the contemporary world. It's unpleasant. I've had enough. And they're not doing anything with her. They're not doing anything with that. Instead, she's become completely just a tool for Guts to feel bad about himself because he gets caught up on the whole sexual assault train with her in these six episodes. That was really, really hard to watch. He's been her protector for so long and then suddenly he's lost himself to this supernatural force that I have... I don't recall seeing previously. Maybe I just missed it. But it seems like all of a sudden he's just got this dark side that's forcing him to try and rape Casca. So, Cara, how was how did your experience of this? I same basically. I was I was extremely bothered. I was like, "What? You, no, come on!" There was that moment of "You two, why? Cut it out!" And I just, I I'm to the point of being like genuinely upset. Where I I think here's here's the thing for me is. Even with, even with the way things have, things have been, it's like, there was still a part of me that could go, huh, oh, berserk, you know? You could just kind of, you, I, could, I could hang in there, but I'm just going, why? Why? What does this accomplish? What does this add to the plot? Uh, exactly. What is the justification for the repeated going to the same well every single time with this one character who has very little characterization at this point. Yeah, it's just... So her defining characteristic is sexual assault, and that's appalling. We now have this pan where she wanders off or she escapes. She encounters some men who apparently have absolutely, you know, no self-restraint whatsoever and are all inherently rapists. I find it really hard to believe that every single man you would encounter in this European-style fantasy land would not have a single problem with raping a woman who clearly doesn't have the capacity to consent. I've... Maybe I'm being over-optimistic. I'm not being over-optimistic. There's this hashtag not all men thing. Like, seriously, feminists believe that too. Come on. We do not need to see this happen yeah, every single no, time. It's, it's, it really is getting to me, and it's, 
it's something that I hate. It's something that I hate in day to day life. You know, where it's like, yes. oh, well, this is like, no, it's not. Well, we're going to show you a show where it is true. It's like, no, don't. We see this. Exactly. We see this in everyday life in things like dress codes. Well, you got to cover up because the men around you, they just can't contain yes, they themselves. Can. No, they absolutely can and do every single day. So Casca wandering off and every single time encountering groups of men. So this isn't just, this isn't just, just, this isn't just one-on-one -on -one rape, right? This is gang rape. So these men are quite happy all assaulting her together. Every single group of men that she encounters feels that way. Oh, it's been frustrating. Yeah, I'm, I'm about done with it and I'm sitting here and I've done this to a degree with a lot of different properties where I'm just like, if you are going to drag me over and over through this weird stupidity, then you're every time you're you're basically adding to a debt to the to the viewers is a way a friend of mine put it that yeah. was wonderful and it was about a different property entirely. But it was like every time you do something like this, uh, you're essentially asking your viewers for a loan. You're you're yeah. asking yeah, Perfect. you're asking them for a loan, and every time you ramp it up, you are taking out a bigger and bigger loan, and it's like, what in the world kind of ending will pay this loan off? Exactly. And, oh, that's such perfect uh, ways to my, it. A friend of mine put it that way with something else, and it's just like, that's, that's how I feel about things like this. And I, I have nothing. I, I have absolutely nothing. I'm trying to think of an ending or a character arc or a or a revelation that could make everything we've seen happen to Costco worth it. No. Right. And I'm like you you got you guys are going to have to like completely you know blow my extremities off. <laughs> and it's almost like at this point if if Casca as we knew her did return, I don't know, that's starting to feel uncomfortable now. Does that make sense? It's starting to feel like the the things that she has gone through, if she comes back as she was and remembers a fraction of them, that's gonna be deeply traumatizing for her. And obviously she's been through traumatic experiences already, hence her being where she is now in theory, but it, it wouldn't get any better. Like, so even if she, she regains her sense of self, she regains her consciousness as, as we knew her to have it, I, I don't know what future there is for her. And it feels like, to me, it feels like the time to give Casca back was the end of the first call. And if she had come back to herself then, you could do things with her this arc. You could build her back up to to a character that we, like, that would serve a story purpose that would be a fully realized character. But it's just, it's hard to see how they would manage that now. And I mean, it's become too frequent. And, and, if, and if somehow they do, which I don't know how they will, but if somehow mm -hmm. they do, then I will happily go, boy, I was so wrong. If they do. Gladly. Yeah. Gladly. I would love to have Casca back. But the character she's become, I think there were there were ways that you could have written. I mean, we've talked about that in previous episodes, right? There were ways that you could have written her character differently. To, to the choices that they've made. And the choices that they've made are just sexual assault all the time from everyone possible. And it's not getting any better. And we had, oh, we had that moment where she's in, uh, they're in the witch's house and she's, 
in the bath with Farnese and she's being so sexualized. Uh, just the framing of it and the way that she's drawn. And and then she runs out naked because of course she does. And Farnese is trying to pull her back. And just, why are we still doing this? Why are we still doing this? Is it for comedy? It's not a very funny joke at all. And I think for this point, like who is still laughing at that stuff? She's so clearly unable to consent to these things. It can't be pleasant. This is the one piece of feedback we get constantly around fan service for, uh, through Anafem, is people saying is the lack of consent that bothers them. And this is across genders, this is across age ranges, this is across different anime tastes. People are consistently bothered by fan service that involves lack of consent. And we are getting that consistently with Casca. And they are seriously wearing thin on goodwill. Peter, is there any possible context or way of framing this that will make it remotely bearable for us in the coming six episodes? Or do we just have to stick it out? Um, well, I didn't want to really... You don't spoil us, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, well two, two directions I'll go with this. Uh, the first one is okay. I, I think that... Uh, this isn't, I'm not defending it, uh, but this is kind of something that I think has kind of been attached to Casca's character for quite a while. I think there was like mm-hmm. two attempted rapes in the Golden Age. Uh, that's, I don't know if the, the TV series uh, had the scene where she first met, first met Griffith as a child, um, but yeah. he saved yeah. her from an attempted rape, basically. Yes. Uh, well, actually, he let her save herself. He he gave her a sword and then she killed the guy. Um and then yeah. the scene where Guts kills a thousand men right <clears throat> afterward or whatever. But, um, so that, that's, this has just kind of been like a constant theme with her character, I guess. Although, um, I've been racking my brain as you've been talking to try to think of if it happens again after the, the scene with Guts. Um, because, I, I mean, there's definitely scenes where they do the, the, um, her wandering around without clothes on thing. Um, <sighs> although I think they're li- somewhat limited. Um, it's at, it's at this point... Probably not limited yeah. enough for my time. I mean, like, yeah. th- this this one... Approaching this episode, I was figuring this would be the... Or the this six-episode section, I thought this would be, like, the best and the worst it gets. Uh, because there's obviously some horrible stuff that happens with Casca, but some great stuff that happens with other characters. Um, and I, I think this is literally the worst it gets for Casca um, during this period. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, I, I... Well, at least for... Definitely for the rest of the series, but I also think for the manga going forward. Okay. Um, so well, I, I can't really, I like, I obviously can't say that, like, that makes it any better because it, it happened, no. of course. Um, I I don't mind giving this away as a spoiler because we wouldn't be talking about this for, like, four or five years, assuming the anime continues uh, and assuming okay. Mira doesn't take any more uh, breaks. Um, but uh, the last chapter of the manga before it went on hiatus for six months... Uh, was uh, they are, I think the next chapter is them kind of reaching in to Casca's mind and pulling her out. Okay. And obviously this years, is this is okay. far in the future because uh, Mira's been making this comic for like 30 years and I think this is like maybe around the middle. Um, yeah. So uh, there's definitely a lot of like questing they go on to, I mean, at that, at that point it sort of becomes the focus is, is uh, getting Casca out. And I think we're like on the, the, the edge of that happening in the plot. But again, that's like, uh, that's quite a ways in the future. Even in the manga, he went on hiatus for six months, literally like the chapter before it probably happens. I don't know if j- just to torture us because that's what Berserk is all about. But 
I, I, that reminds me. He went to see a witch, right? He stood in front of this powerful witch. Did he say anything about can you help my friend? I believe so. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it... Did he? Um, this is... He gets pointed in the, the direction, I think, during the six-episode Corey camera where the conversation is of where they would have to go next. Oh, maybe it's a puck that brings it up. I don't remember it being brought up, but I'm not sure if I missed it. Cara, do you remember? I can't remember either. I would feel like... I feel mm. like that would be something that sticks out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, she brings uh, up the, the brand, and she brings up the ward for the brand. This is the witch. Um, and I would have thought that would be a good time for Guts to say, is there anything you can do? Hmm. Well, I know uh, Puck mentioned his uh, homeland, which I think is just called Avalon or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Elf Helm or something like that. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. the place, basically. So I don't, I don't, I think it kind of consolidates, but that's, uh, but, I got it. I thought I it happened during he, that conversation. I could be wrong. I don't think he asked. I don't think he asked. And that really bothers me. Mm. Okay. Let's, uh, let's start wrapping this up. Kara, where do you want to see it go from here? What do you want the next six episodes to hold? Well, I want, I want more of our new witch characters. Um, I love them. I want Farness to be confident again. I want her to keep, uh, moving forward with Serpico by way of maybe making their relationship a healthy one. Uh, their friendship, their, you know, whatever it is. Um, friendship's a bit of a strong word yeah (laughs) maybe yeah i don't know uh but they're they're whatever it is i'd like to see it become a healthy thing as opposed to a forced thing um well maybe not strong enough depending upon who you're talking to either that's fair Mm. but like yeah i i want i want to see that become a healthier thing and i want to see her have a better view of herself uh i also out of morbid curiosity i really want to see just how far this new charisma of Griffiths goes. Mm. I want to see just what people are willing to do for him. Makes sense. I think I'm thinking on similar lines. Uh, Okay, well, if I've given up on any kind of development for Casca as a character whatsoever, yeah, it's all about Farnes for me, I think. I am completely bought into her arc, but I don't want it to stop here. She's built up... She has really improved in terms of empathy, and I think that's huge on a character level. Um, I really want to see her move into more of a leadership kind of position, I think. But she needs way more skills than just empathy to get there. She does need to be capable and competent in terms of strategy, if not actual combat. So... I, I don't know how she's going to get there at this point, but I would really like to see some steps in that direction where she takes what she's built through caring for Casca and she turns that into a path where she can be a leader in some context. Because the idea that she started off as a kind of figurehead leader and it's just all downhill from there, and now she's raised herself up to the point where she's she's got caring responsibilities, but that's where her arc ends, that's not as rewarding an arc as it could be, I think, for me. Okay, Peter, has anything surprised you about our discussion today, or is it more or less as you expected? Um, I think it hit a lot of the points uh, that I thought it would. Um, I did think uh, uh, there was 
well, I mean, there was a lot of points to cover, so I, I thought there were, like, some interesting scenes that were sort of looked at, but maybe, um, well, I, I'm not sure if I got quite your impression of it. The, the fire scene uh, with, with Serpico and, uh, and Farnese you thought was um, kind of, it didn't go far enough, or... The fire scene, well, where, where he... Where they burn his he mother. burns his own mother. Yeah. Um, I just thought it showed Farnese in the worst possible light. Okay. Kara, what did you think of that one? Uh, the fire scene? I just... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a rough one. Okay. Yeah, just kind of hard to watch. Yeah, that's, that's the, that's yeah. the main thing uh, to watch. <laughs> yeah, as was a lot of Berserk this six episodes. Okay, maybe it's just a difference in interpretation. I, I felt like uh, that scene and like a couple other ones are very kind of complex because the way that she was talking was definitely like... Uh, well, at that point, I guess they were sort of at a fissure in their relationship because, uh, like, I think the last time she had seen Serpico was when uh, he had rejected her, basically. So that was kind of her attempt at uh, making him follow her again slightly. But at the same time, it was kind of a... Um, it was, I think, maybe the only way she knew how to show compassion at that time. And also, uh, they'd sort of established her burning things as something that she wanted to do alone and that was very sacred to her. So doing that together with him was almost kind of like an intimate act, as disgusting as that is. I picked up on that because mm-hmm. the way that she holds his hand as she moves towards the, the fire with him together and is kind of you know, helping him through that, even though the thing that she's helping him through is something that she is forcing him to do, yeah. which is deeply inhuman almost. Well, I mean, so, you, you get the impression that if he doesn't do it, he's going to end up being on the stake next, just based on the way the other people are talking. Just, ah, see, yeah, that's that's my sticking point, because she doesn't say that. She doesn't give any impression that this is for his own protection. It, she gives the impression that this is more for her protection, mm-hmm. that it would be so embarrassing for her should one of her her team her subordinates be related to a heretic that that's what she's doing is saving face whereas had she been doing it for like to save his life effectively then i i would have i would have found that a bit stronger i think i would have found that a more compelling character moment but at the same time i don't think there's anything wrong with showing farnes as cruel as she actually was we've seen her be cruel multiple times mm-hmm. that was just the peak of it i think yeah and uh i on a similar scene uh where she like kind of lost casca and then it turned out casca had wandered back uh yeah uh it sort of talking uh, this was another point that i was talking about where guts i think it kind of shows character growth um because remember when isidro had lost casca he'd been like basically restraining himself from n- oh, knocking his yeah. head off, and that yeah. and that time I think he was even more composed. Um, oh, of course, I mean the, the outcome wasn't as bad, but uh, she had yeah. definitely like held the group up, and he, I I feel like he had kind of successfully not uh, is repudiated the right word uh, her in any way. He didn't like outwardly make it. Uh, um, apparent that he was very unhappy with her at that moment, although she still yeah. picked up on it, of course. Yeah. So that was sort of a moment for both of them where he uh, he had, he restrained himself even further, but she, of course, still picked up on it and felt bad that she had failed the group that she was trying to help. So yeah, um, I, I this is, it's like one of the these like stepping stones I've noticed with with guts, although. Uh, and and this was something that you like briefly touched on, uh, which I, I thought would become more of a, a topic of discussion was Guts's like rage dog thing. Um, yes, 
Tell us more about that. So I'm, uh, it, it does sort of just come out of nowhere here, although it, it does go to an interesting place later on, this like uh, kind of separation of rage. But at the same time, uh, I, I think it's a really useful narrative device, and it does sort of take on this like supernatural uh, aura um, that's later tied to something else that comes up. But um, I, I feel at the same time it was also maybe... I don't know if this was intentional or unintentional, a, a way to ab- absolve Guts of the responsibility over the action that he took, because it was like mm. the rage took over and then he he did what he did, and it was outside of his control. But it's like as he becomes more restrained in his anger, his anger kind of separates from him and becomes its own entity. Oh, I don't like that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I find that a really disturbing device. Yeah. Actually. The, <laughs> the idea that the more he manages his anger the more the women around him are going to be harmed. Mm. Like, oh, well, it's Casca specifically. The more Casca is going to be harmed physically. That, that's a horrible message to send. That's a really horrible character note. Well, I, I don't think it, uh, it's... The, the way it comes up later is more... I, I guess you'll just have to... It, it comes up in the next we'll six see, episodes. We'll see, we'll see. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, so it's kind of like... Uh, in, in that context, it's... I think better, but the way it was brought up initially is kind of uncomfortable. Yes, so I I I don't know quite know where the how the dog came into existence this early on. To be honest, it makes sense later. Uh, maybe yeah. we should touch on this in the next cast. But uh, next yeah. one, as as it stands, yeah, it just felt like oh, it was the dog doing that. So like whatever guts that wasn't guts trying to do that right, which I yeah that sucks. I don't like that at all. And in a way, I think had it stopped at at him kissing her, like that was already unpleasant. Mm. That was already horrible. And then for him to bite her breast so hard that it bled. Mm. That, oh my goodness. Like human teeth aren't that sharp, right? You have to be pretty, pretty damaging. Strong like guts. We're going to have to put a content warning on this one because the stuff we're discussing today is just awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It felt like to to go from those to that extreme, and then to suddenly have this fairly convenient excuse. I I know that's not how it's intended necessarily, but oh boy, is that how it comes across? Yeah, it's like oh no, guts is still a good guy. He's still a good character. You can still root for him because it wasn't his fault. <sighs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure. Though I guess it sounds like we'll we'll have more firm opinions on this next watch along yeah probably yeah it goes uh the, the next the the last four or the, the the fourth episode that we're doing the last six episodes are probably um i feel like it's got a lot of the good stuff from this set but it also um and it kind of moves away from a lot of the bad stuff that happens with a a lot of the primary characters but it's got some weird stuff in it too so i am i'm qu- not quite sure what it's going to how it's going to come <laughs> out <laughs> you don't know how we're going to take it yeah basically <laughs> That's entirely Boy. fair. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's wrap that up then for these six episodes. Thank you so much for joining me. So, a little bit of housekeeping. You can find our work on www.animefeminist.com. You can find us on Twitter, at AnimeFeminist. You can find us facebook.com slash AnimeFem. We're also on Tumblr, animefeminist.tumblr.com. I should say this podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. We will be moving from SoundCloud. Thank you everyone who sent us notifications that SoundCloud is shutting down. We're on it. We've got another service that we're setting up and we will move everything over so that everything's uninterrupted and safe. 
We also have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash animefeminist. We're now over $1,000 in monthly income. Thank you so much to every single one of our patrons who's made this happen. This means that we can have weekly podcasts, we can pay audio editors, we can pay for contributors, the writers, we can pay for administration, we can pay for the premiere reviews that happened recently. Uh, Dee and Vry on our team took over almost all of those and they're going to be paid for every single one. That's all thanks to our patrons. So our next funding goal is that we can pay the team when they edit a contributor's work. And that, again, is something that we should be paying for. We are so close to this goal now. We're something like $100 away with within reach at the moment we really want to make it to that point so if you can spare a dollar a month it all adds up if you can spare five dollars a month you get access to our private discord server where you can chat to the team and to the anafem readers it's a great place to be so please go to patreon.com slash animefeminist and send us a dollar a month five dollars a month whatever you feel comfortable with to help us continue our work so thank you again so much to Kara and peter for joining me for this we will be back next time with episodes 19 to 24.